what I want to do now is to tell one man's story. The story of somebody to give a more personal face to this whole big concept of great awakenings and kingdom of God and all of these things that we're talking about. But let's bring it down to one man's life. And I want to tell you the story of John Newton. John Newton is best known as the writer of the hymn, Amazing Grace, one of the most famous and well-loved hymns in history. He lived during the time of the 1700s, the middle and the end of the 1700s, and on into the beginning of the 19th century. And during that time, uh, we're going to see the Great Awakening happening, the, the, the Moravians coming to London, and then all of that happening with uh, John Wesley and George Whitfield. Um, but then we're also going to see, after a period, we're going to see a second Great Awakening uh, happening out of London in a neighborhood called Clapham, and it's going to spread and transform all of England, all of the British Empire, and really the whole world. So I want to trace that now through the life of one person, John Newton, who had the misfortune to grow up with a dad who really didn't have a good handle on how to show affection uh, or love toward his son. And like so often happens with children who grow up with dads like that, he's going to grow up in rebellion. And rebellion not only against authority, but rebellion against God. And one of the things that he's going to develop as a kind of a hobby, he's going to write songs that ridicule God and ridicule people who believe in God. And so I can imagine him just walking down the street one day, singing one of his little ditties, and um, suddenly, minding his own business, but suddenly he's surrounded by a gang of what looks like sailors. And they converge on him, lift him up off his feet, and carry him off to their ship. Well, welcome to the recruiting office of the British Navy. This is the way they did it. It was called an impressment gang. And they just took people that looked like they could be sailors and they just carried them off and put them on the ship. Um, and and uh, now you're a sailor. You're in the Navy now. And so John Newton's life suddenly has a completely different goal um, than what he thought he had uh, yesterday. And so now this does not do anything for uh, John's um, attitude toward God or people in authority. In fact, uh, he's going to be one of the most difficult sailors that this captain has ever had. Not only that, but he's going to sing his little ditties in the t at the top of his lungs. And pretty soon the sailors are going to tell him, they're going to warn him saying, you shouldn't be singing songs like that about God. You know, even the sailor had some little bit of faith, you know, some little idea of what right and wrong would be. And uh, they just were very uncomfortable with John Newton. John Newton did not make a good sailor. Uh, he really just didn't. And um, a lot of conflicts with the captain and um, whippings, you know, the whole story. Um, 
And finally, one day, this captain has a conversation with another captain. I don't know, maybe stopped at an island somewhere or somehow or other. Um, the captain starts talking about John Newton and the other captain starts talking about one of his sailors and they each think that their sailor is the worst, but they say, well, let's trade. And so that's how John Newton got traded onto a slave ship. And that's how he became familiar with the slave trade. And he ended up on the windward coast of Africa in the company of one Amos Clow. Amos Clow was a slave trader, and he had a concubine who was a um, princess of the Sherbro tribe, um, so an African princess. And uh, Amos Clow decided to make John Newton her servant, her personal servant which ended up being sort of like her personal slave, because that's the way he was treated. This was no fun. Um, in fact, this was downright dangerous. And um, personally, I think that God allowed this because God had a plan for this man, and he needs to see what slavery looks like on the wrong end of the stick. Sort of like um, St. Patrick did, if you'll remember, um, and Patrick is going to be used later on to get rid of slavery. So John Newton is lost in Africa, um, but his father turns out to have a heart of love for his son after all, and he sends a ship captain to look for his son. And finally, this captain, the captain of the ship uh, Greyhound, finds John Newton um, arranges for him to be freed from this abominable situation, and they're on board the ship Greyhound, uh, which is not a slave ship, but a, a cargo ship, and they're headed for the Caribbean and then for England and home. And all would be well except for um, on the, the trip back to England, the storm of the century, I mean, the perfect storm shows up and blows this ship back in the wrong direction, and it lasts for so long, like week after week, this ship is tossed by, by these storms, and, um, and they, the seams of the ship are actually starting to come apart, and the ship is falling apart, and so there's a real problem here, and the sailors are beginning to wonder if there isn't somebody aboard the ship who is just actually cursed. And if they got rid of, of this person, maybe the ship would be allowed to get through. But God is angry at all of us because of this person. Um, they're starting to give John Newton the evil eye. And uh, John Newton is starting to realize that um, maybe his life is in danger. Well, one night, um, it's actually March 10, 1748, he's been assigned to duty at the helm of the ship. So he's got his hand on the, the big steering wheel, you know, and the, you can imagine the waves and the wind. And he's out there all by himself, except that in the middle of the night, he's aware of a presence, and it's the presence of God. And God is suddenly there for him. He's not saying anything. He's not doing anything. He is simply 
present. And John cannot avoid it. He knows that it's God, and he is changed by the encounter. Uh, now, bear in mind that this is the Great Awakening, and things like this are happening. We're seeing things like this happen all over England, all over America, and the ocean in between. And so um, John Newton is encountered by God, and that's the day of his conversion. And eventually the storm does cease, and they do make their way back to England, and all would be well except for one thing. The English church does not know how to make disciples. They do not know what to do with people who have been encountered by God. And so nobody is able to say to John Newton what to do about the experience he had on March 10, 1748. And um, far to the contrary, his dad has an idea of giving his son a good, well-paying job as the captain of a slave ship owned by his friend, the father's friend, Joseph Manistee in Liverpool. And John's idea is, well, it's a bad job, but somebody's got to do it. So he signs on and he becomes a slave ship captain for the next six years. He's going to make three trips along that terrible triangle between Liverpool, the, the windward coast of Africa, and then the Caribbean, and then back to Liverpool. And, uh, you know, it, it's uh, a terrible thing that he's going to regret for the rest of his life. He's going to have nightmares. He's going to have deep pain, painful regrets for the rest of his life. Things are going to happen. He's going to see things that he is going that are going to make his life a torment for the rest of his life, all because nobody told him a Christian doesn't do this. You get my point here. So now um, John Newton tells us um, that the sin of slavery is partly the sin of the church um, not being clear about right and wrong. Okay, let me just get back now to the story. So he's going to have experiences in which God is going to um, teach him the hard way since nobody's willing to teach him the easy way. And he's going to almost uh, meet his death through sickness um, uh, in Africa. Then later on, he's going to have a, uh, a stroke. He's going to lose the function of his limbs for a while. And, and, and I believe these were ways that God was just trying to get his attention. But then he has an encounter with John Wesley. John Wesley is a guy who did care uh, about how the church takes in a harvest. In other words, how the church handles people who have had an encounter with God. And then God says, it's your job to teach them how to observe my commandments. How, how does the love commandment get walked out in a person's life? And so we don't know what that encounter with John Wesley exactly looked like, 
what words were spoken. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall. But um, John Newton uh, really begins to recover a genuine faith. In fact, the way he puts it is um, with these words. He said, I cannot consider myself to have been a believer in the full sense until a considerable time after that experience he had on March 10th on board the Greyhound. So there, there was a time in which God dealt with him and taught him, uh, you really do need to follow Jesus and learn what it means to follow Jesus. So at that point, he starts thinking about becoming a clergyman. He applies to different uh, denominations. The one that accepts him is the Anglican denomination, and so he becomes an Anglican clergyman. Um, this is what he looked like later. Um, and he became a, a man noted for humility. Um, and one way that that humility showed is that he refused to badmouth other groups of Christians. So in those days, um, there were two basic groups of Christians. There were the old line Anglicans and there were the Methodists who were affected by the, the Great Awakening. And they tended to uh, be at each other's throats quite a lot, um, uh, saying all kinds of bad things about each other. <clears throat> 